All right. Hey, let's get started. You guys ready to get started? This is the last breakout of SMC. That's crazy. Yes, last breakout. Y'all made it. I heard, uh, I heard, this kind of hurts for me to say, but I'm still a big fan. I heard Northwest. It was a Northwest Northwest championship in this three three v three. Was that true? Man, hey, well, whoever whoever won that, congratulations to you guys. I've been uh, playing in that tournament for about ten years. I was telling these guys up here, I've been playing in that tournament for about ten years. I made it to the lead eight. I've never made it past that. So, man, I'm just gonna live vicariously through you through the next like fifteen years because I think y'all are gonna be there, right? But uh, hey, I am glad you guys are here. I was excited about this when I was offered the opportunity to be able to lead a breakout specifically to athletes. You know, I love everybody in the entire world, but there's just something unique about being able to speak to athletes. Y'all do a lot of things well. I'm excited about this. I'm excited that you're here. Do we have football players? I want to get like a, a spectrum of, of what sports we're working with in here, all right? So we got football players in here. Raise your hand if you're a football player. All right, okay. Uh, we've got volleyball in here. Oh yeah, I got some. Yeah, we definitely got volleyball players. I remember you girls. They were taking it. What's what's that little sport with the four? It's crossball. Crossball. Hey, thank you, JJ. I appreciate that. I would have been stuck there. I would have been stuck there for a while if you didn't say that. They were dominating some crossball. What else? Okay, so do we got golf? Someone golf in here? Got a couple golfers in there. Nice soccer. Nice. It's cool. We got any like specialty sports in here? Did I miss on basketball? Basketball? Soccer? Oh yeah, I said soccer. Oh yeah, track. How do you miss track? Softball? Any softballs in here? There we go. Any other sports? What am I missing? Anybody else? Anybody? Is anybody in here that just has the heart of an athlete and you just were an intramural champion? You just kind of found your way into the athlete's breakout. Anybody in here? Need to make your way out? No? Okay. It's just athletes in here. I appreciate that. Well, hey, I am Jordan Edwards, and I played football at Washburn University for one year. And for some reason, that gives me credibility uh, to lead this breakout. So i got some bods here uh, in the house, which I appreciate y'all. Um, I, I loved playing football. I loved sports. I loved everything about it. The, uh, the drive, the practices, the discipline. There's just something about competition that gets into the heart that that really there's nothing else in the world that can tap into that kind of a part of your drawing, right? Uh, and so I'm excited about giving this, but I was thinking about some different areas for me. You guys are all obviously good at sports because you're playing collegiate sports. And so that means you guys have probably accolades at the Wazoo, you've got everything, and you're probably, you're, I'm guessing your mom and your dad probably got them hanging up in your, your house somewhere, right? Nobody likes the guy who brings out the letter jacket, and so I'm not going to do that. Um, but I did, you know, I did want to be vulnerable and share with you guys some of uh, my worst uh, sports memories. Is that cool? If I get vulnerable with you guys and, and share some of my worst. And so uh, here's a picture of your guys' uh, mascots. That's not a picture of me, but this is a, a picture of your guys' mascots. This is probably something that means more to you guys than even the rest of the students that are here because you guys are representing these schools. You guys are representing um, what these schools mean to y'all but also mean to a bunch of different other people. And so uh, let me show you a picture of where it started for me though. And so here's where it started for me. Uh, this is me and my twin brother and my little brother. 
Wellington, Kansas. Wellington was a spot that was known for very mediocre, below average football, but we loved it. I have no idea. We had some of the greatest fans in the world. And so from the time you were in second grade, I, that's probably older than second grade. I'm number one, but number one there, by the way. By uh, the time you were in second grade all the way till senior year of high school, all you could really think about in my time was football. So for me, football was something that I just loved, I dreamed about, it really became my world. And you guys can probably relate that, relate to that, where your sports kind of just become your world. And uh, for me, I wanted to share a couple of my worst athletic um, feats, if you will. They don't really have anything to do with football, but um, I remember when I was in second grade, I was playing soccer, so shout out to the soccer players out there. Um, it's a harder sport than I thought to play. And so I admire you guys. But uh, I was out there, I was kicking the ball around. It was co-ed and it was windy. And I was trying to do one of those like, get it out from your goal kick. Um, because I was playing a little defense, you know, and ended up kicking it straight into the wind and it just bell curved right back into my goal, okay? And so I scored a goal on my own self, on my own team. Um, but the kicker is this, there was a girl on the other team that I was really trying to impress. She didn't talk to me a day after that. Like, it was over. I'm not kidding. That was it for her. I never lived that down. Everybody thought I threw the game. They're like, oh, you just like that girl. They thought I threw the game. So that was one of the worst, um, probably, sp sports memories that I've had. I also went 0-60 from 7th grade to ninth grade in basketball. We didn't win a game. 0-60. Yeah, you guys feel that? Like, gosh, like, can you just get in my shoes for a second? And just think about that. And the worst part of it, to be honest, the worst part of it is I believed that we were going to win every single game, all right? I believed every time I stepped on the court, we're going to win. And I think I was the only one who believed it. <sighs> but it developed a lot of character, let's just say that. And we can walk away from that and maybe not remember that. Um, but some of my, uh, you know, some of the better athletic feats, I, I did bowl a 286 in bowling one time. That's one pin away from 300, and so it's a very nerdy sport, so I, don't, I feel comfortable being able to say, man, I did this well in this nerdy sport without having pride, and so 286, and then everything kind of pinnacled, peaked at K-State for me when I was a uh, intramural uh, quarterback for Pike, and we made it to the Final Four. We didn't make the championship, but that's, that's the best Pike's ever seen at K-State, so that was the peak of my athletic career right there. Um, I started early playing sports, but in high school, um, I played, kind of focused in on football, and then I got an offer to come and play at Washburn University, and it was there at Washburn University where I thought I was going to play football. And then post that, you had the hope and the dream that maybe that offer would come for an NFL contract. I had no hope in the world. I was like a fifth string at Washburn University. I developed some pretty cool backup quarterback tricks, like I can take the football and put it between my legs and stuff like that, do some cool ball tricks. That's pretty much all I learned at Washburn, but... It's crazy because when I showed up, that's why I thought I was there, but God had a different story for me. And that different story was this, what Chad was talking about earlier, is that there's a greater purpose, that we were made for more. Because a lot of times, if you think about it, or if you've seen any interviews, oh gosh, no, I'm going to skip this, guys. I'm skipping that. If you see any interviews, a lot of times what they'll say is this, I was made for this. I was made for this sport, or maybe you've heard it put this way, I was born for this. And it's kind of interesting to think about that uh, because a lot of the sports that they're talking about, that they were made for or born for, 
is only 150, 100 years old. And so it's kind of interesting to think about somebody being born. Your, your eternal purpose was to play this sport. And I think what Chad was saying earlier, and it can relate to this, is that you are made for more than your sport. You are made for more than your sport. And in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul taps into this. Paul, he was awesome. He did a lot of awesome things. But one of his greatest metaphors that he continually came back to was that of an athlete. And uh, Paul used this kind of parallel in 1 Corinthians 9, 22 through 27. And he relates it to sports. But he wants us to get a picture of the greater purpose that's going on. And so it says this, 1 Corinthians 9, 22 through 27. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. You know, Paul often uses these athletic metaphors to relate it to spiritual realities because of how closely they really are related. So it's kind of cool to think about one of the greatest theologians of all time uses an athletic metaphor because he says it's one of the greatest ways to parallel it or to give an example of what it means to all God. So maybe y'all in this room might have even a fast track to an understanding of what it truly means to live for something greater as far as the discipline, the character, and maybe even live for something greater than yourself. I think about uh, one purpose that I would like you guys walking away with this uh, breakout is this. You guys have a unique platform. And we're going to talk about that platform here for a little bit. But your unique platform is this. It's your sports at your college, on your campus, but it goes way beyond that. The ripple effects that you guys can send from your life are unbelievable. God can do some crazy things with your guys' lives. And if that's the case... One of the things that I would encourage and I hope you guys walk away with is a desire to do this. It's to leverage your platform. Leverage your platform. And so I've got a couple of reasons why I think y'all should do whatever it takes to leverage your platform. And then hopefully we can get practical on the end as well. And so the first reason why is a theory that I made up. Okay, so you can either put this in the trash or you can just listen for a second. Give me a chance with this. But... uh, I've heard it said before that just being in college puts you in the top 1% of the world. Just being at a college puts you at the top 1% of the world. Now, if you think about it, you go even further and you think about the athletes that are at each campus. Some of those athletes are some of the most qualified individuals to lead. They're probably the most um, developed to lead. Um, but also they probably got a lot more opportunities in front of them because of their athletic um, pursuits. And so if you think about it, there's the top percent just being in college. But being an athlete puts you in the top percent of the top percent. And I'm not saying that to, to fill your ego or to blow up your heads. What I want you all, y'all to walk away is to think about it like Spider-Man thought about it, all right? And I don't mean to get cheesy here, but I love this quote. 
He said, with great power comes great responsibility. And I really do think, think about this. When you're on your campuses, there are students who are looking to you. And you even think about within your own team. If you just stay in the team, you learn the program, you learn, you, you learn the system, they're going to be younger, younger players, younger student athletes who are going to come underneath you, and they're already looking to your, 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 your all's leadership. There's already a natural platform there. And the question I want you guys to ask yourself is, am I going to leverage this platform or am I going to let it slip? Am I going to let it slip away? With great power comes great responsibility. And uh, like 1 Corinthians 9, 22 through 27, specifically in verse 22, Paul says, I become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. And so Paul recognized and he knew that because of some of his background, Paul was one of the most qualified individuals probably in his time frame, but over history uh, to be listened to. And he had a pretty big platform. And with that platform, he said, this is what I want to do with it. I want to use it for an opportunity to potentially save some. And he's talking specifically about sharing the gospel. He's talking specifically about being a spiritual leader. And I think in the exact same way, y'all as athletes, you can look at your position, your sports, or the, the sport that you're playing, and you can see it as a platform to be able to be used and to be able to be leveraged for the sake of making an impact for Christ. Pat Tillman, have you guys heard about Pat Tillman? You guys heard the story? Um, Pat, I think, did... This is a great illustration of the 1% of the 1%. So Pat Tillman was a very athletic man. So he played at Arizona State. He was a linebacker. All the accolades in the world went to Arizona, and he was setting records in his first year. And so he grew up in a family. It was a military family. And so he had a lot of respect for the freedom that he had. And he said, the only reason why I'm playing the sport, the only reason I've got this opportunity is because of the freedom that the soldiers who went before me, they laid down their lives and gave me this freedom. His brothers and his dad um, were involved in that as well. So 9-11 happens, 2001. That's probably before most of y'all were born, right? That's crazy. 2001, Pat Tillman, after 9-11, says, hey, I want to actually take a break from football, not for the sake of taking a break, because there's a higher calling. There's a higher opportunity there's a, a greater thing to fight for right now. And so just hear me now. I'm not saying I want you to all leave your sports, okay? What I'm trying to, to show you here is this. He went out and he lived on mission and he served the military. He ended up, ended up losing his life as he did then. And the thing I want you all to pull out from this is not that y'all have to leave your sport like he did, but he did see that there was a greater calling. There's a greater sense of something to fight for and if that calling supersedes the one that he has right here on the football field, he's willing to lay that on the line. And I think a lot of times it's hard to see that in our own sport where we're so focused, we're so driven. It's about getting to that you know, position. It's about winning over the starting role or it's about getting my numbers up. I think those are all great things to do. But I'd say this, you were made for more than that. I pat Tillman, maybe there's something greater that we are to live for. Um, I love this uh, idea. Um, sometimes with our sports, if you were anything like me, the sport became it in my life. 
And the only reason why I use the word it is because we're all after something, right? And that something is it. And that's going to be different for every single one of you. For me, it was recognition in my sport. For me, it was people finally realizing that I was capable to be able to do something. But I think it's interesting. Your sport is not the it. It is not the end all be all. It is a tremendous vehicle to accomplish it, whatever you're searching for. That it being this, though, the very purpose you are created for, to know God, become like him, reflect him, and make him known. And so, break this down a little bit. This is what I'm saying. The it, your sport, a lot of times, if you were anything like me, I lived for that. I didn't see anything past my sport. I played football, and I trained for football for the first 15 years of my life, and then all of a sudden, on a certain day, of my sophomore year, I walked up to my coach, and I said, Coach, I'm done, and then that was it. That was it. It was, it was over. I had given everything to that, and then it didn't give anything back to me. But there's a tremendous opportunity and platform with your support. So it's not the end all be all, but it can definitely be a really good opportunity uh, to use it for God's glory. So the top percent of the top percent theory, uh, the second one is this, of why we should leverage our platform. Whatever your support is, I want you to put it in that blank. Whatever your support is, I want you to put it in that blank right there. Your sport, volleyball, football, Track golf is a terrible guy. And uh, really, you can put anything in there if it's outside of God. You can put food in there. You can put money in there. You can put success in there. But specifically for this group, I wanted you to think about this for a second. It's a, a terrible God. And I'm not trying to be dramatic here. Um, like I said, I gave everything I had to sports. And then I retired in a, a very anticlimactic way. Um, I, like I said, I'd given everything I had to it. I showed up my sophomore year and right before my sophomore year happened, I was like, I just don't know if I have what it, what it takes in the tank. And so I walked up to my coach. I remember it was 5 a.m. practice. I walked up to him. I said, coach, I just, I don't know if, I don't know if this is the direction that I want, want to go for, from here. He's like, okay. I was like, oh man, I thought you got to fight a little bit for me. He's like, no, that's great. All right, go ahead and walk. And uh, I remember thinking about that, and, and the realization is the time. The time that I put into it, the effort and the energy that I, I put into it. I don't think it was all necessarily in vain, but I do think it didn't have any direction. It didn't have any purpose. And so my encouragement to you guys is to, to put it in the right priority. Is to put God in his spot, and then to put your sport in its spot. And when you do that, it does have purpose. It brings purpose to it. Um, it's kind of a doggy dog world. You know that in sports, it's kind of hardcore. You kind of get eat up, spit out, eat up, spit out. And uh, if that's your God, if that's what you're depending on, if that's what your emotions are connected to, that's a roller coaster, right? And so I encourage you to look at it from God's perspective. God's saying, hey, anchor your soul, anchor your time into me and let the rest flow out of that. Because I'm not going anywhere. I'm not changing. And uh, a thought that came to my mind was everyone has pain. Everyone has hardship. But if you do it this way, if you look at 1 Corinthians, come back to this verse, 9.23, I do all of this for the sake of the gospel, Paul says, that I may share in his blessings. Paul's saying that there are blessings when you follow Christ. 
and when you pursue his mission and your and his plan for your life and that's this you've got security for your own salvation you know where you're going your sport ends you know exactly where you're going your life ends you know exactly where you're going but not only that while you're here your time your effort your energy even in your training even in being around your teammates even in the leadership opportunities if you use it you leverage it for eternal things god says this there are eternal blessings that come with that but the sport doesn't care anything about you you know it's there we can use it we can leverage it but the sport itself just does not care anything about us um, but god does and when you live for something more i legitimately think you play more free you play more free you play better you live better and it means something you experience and you share the blessings of god that's who he is um i came across a sports center episode it was kind of kind of funny honestly we were watching some sports oh yeah tom brady was about to play and uh i think he's in the playoffs by the way right make the playoffs back there it's dangerous tom's gonna find his way that's super cool i think come back and talk to me if he doesn't but uh, I was watching a pregame, and there's this clip that came on about some of the greatest of all time quarterbacks talking about how the sport gave nothing to them. And they had some of the most successful careers of all time, and it's kind of dramatic, so uh, I don't even know if the sound will work. Let me check this out. I didn't look at this before it came in. It should work, though. Huh. Dad, I just want to come help me real quick. I'll keep talking. But the, the clip was this. Um, they've got a couple different quarterbacks. Let's see if you can put it in there. they got a couple different quarterbacks. Thank you, brother. Um, that are talking about the end of their career. And as they're talking about it, they're, they're sharing about how this sport, really, they had to get to a spot where they accepted that, yes, it's over. And because it's over... They had to contemplate, well, what do I do with the rest of my life? Did what I invest in, was it worth it? Was it worth the time? Was it worth the effort? Was it worth the energy? And uh, I want you guys to check this out. We'll talk about it here in a minute after. But uh, let's see if it plays. Dramatic. I fought a good fight. I finished my football race. And after 18 years, it's time. You watch it and you think that your time will never come. No, my time's come. I can't do it physically anymore, and that's really hard for me to say. You know, I've got all these thank yous, and I'm not going to make it through them. There's a reason we cry. One of the secrets to my success has always been I show up for work every day. So in a way, I guess, I wanted to show up for work one more day. In a game that chews people up and spits them out, You've reached the pinnacle. In the mind of a Hall of Fame quarterback, you're a world-renowned physicist, a Nobel Prize winner. You've climbed Everest. One day, you're the greatest in your field. Drew Brees has done it! I love you, bro. I love you, bro. And the next, you're nothing. And nothing that you ever do again will be this. People say, what do you want to do after football? And I'm like, what do you mean after football? There's nothing after football. This is what, you know, I was born to do, and this is what I enjoy doing more than anything else. Now, does it make sense? 
Most people might think retirement is a celebration. One last goodbye before riding off into the sunset. It's not. It's a death. One that Tom Brady looked in the eye and couldn't come to grips with. Nothing in the world takes every inch of yourself. Mentally. Emotionally. Physically and pours it out every week like being a quarterback. It's the greatest position in sports and nothing comes close, which is why leaving is just as unfathomable as it is inevitable. I am thrilled about what lies ahead for me. In many ways, what lies ahead for me is maybe more important than what I leave behind. Life after football can be sublime, beautiful, Fulfilling. It is for me, but I promise you, you can't see it while you're in it. When my time came, the great Roger Staubach gave me the best advice. Run away. That's right. Run away. Because you'll never again find anything so all-consuming, so complete. There is no way to replicate it, so let it go. I realized he was right, and one day, Tom will too. I don't know if Tom will ever see that. He's gonna go to like 55, 60 years old. He'll be playing then. Um, I thought there were some interesting things said in there, um, but the part where he said he got the advice about running from his sport, that was one of the more intriguing ones to me. It's like, hey, you retire, the only way to, the only remedy the only solution for you to get some sanity after this is run from it. And I'm like, you know what? I think God gives us a better option. And he's, but his better option is this, not to make it our God now, not to make it our God, God then, not to make it our God anytime in the future, but to flip it on, its, on itself and to say, hey, actually I can use this as a platform. I can leverage it. Use it for an opportunity for greater good. Use it for an opportunity to accomplish what God wants to use or do in your life. And uh, he talked about it being inevitable. It is inevitable that, yes, this is going to end. And I think a lot of times what happens is, this is what happened to me, is when I came to the end of, of my sports and athletic career, what ended up happening for me is I didn't know how to live outside of, a, of, an, of an athletic structure. I didn't know how to live for something greater than the sport that I that I had, and so I'm telling you something that I wish somebody would have told me my freshman year, is to learn how to walk deeply with God while you're doing your sport. Learn how to leverage those moments with your team for something that actually matters. You're, learn how to use and leverage that platform when people are listening to you, because they will. Younger athletes that are gonna be on your teams, they're gonna listen to you. And, uh, and so I do think it is a terrible God, but if you trust it with God, God will use it in some great ways. The third one is this, your life will go on. So kind of similar point, but um, your life will go on. He says this in uh, 1 Corinthians 9.25. He says, those who do it just for the athletic crown, crown the Olympic athletes, that's the uh, illustration he's using. He says, they do it. They give all they have. Their training is 40 plus hours a week. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But I do this for a crown that will last forever. And uh, I was, you know, thinking about this idea uh, the other day when I was writing this down. 
And, you know, I can relate to this. I can relate to this in a, in a lot of different ways. Um, there's this guy who's a Ukrainian, uh, Ukrainian rock star. And so he, while he was this Ukrainian rock star, he could have had a mate. This guy had everything that he wanted. He had the fans. He had the money. He had his dream in his hand. Um, but he realized that there's something greater to fight for. And so in the midst of this war, it's crazy. He, crazy. he says, we are no longer businessmen. We're no longer bar owners. We're, we are no longer rock stars for the next, I don't know how many days. And they're still in that, that war. Um, but this rock star, I can't pronounce his name. He said, we are soldiers. And I thought that was a great even line as you guys think about your guys' positions, wherever you're at, whatever sport that you're playing, is the, the title of your sport, don't let that define who you are. Don't let that be your identity. Because the title or the identity that, that you should be clinging to and desire and want is the one that has a, an extreme amount of worth that's above that. That's the one that God gives. That's his kid. That's his son. That's his daughter. As somebody who can live for something greater. And, uh, and so your life will go on past your career. It does happen. And so I think if that's the case, then practically speaking, what are some things that we can do to leverage our platform? And the, the first one, well, actually, I want you guys to spend just a second talking about this. What has, been, what has been, being an athlete meant to you up to this point in your life? What has the time investment looked like for you? And then out of these three points for why we should leverage our platforms as athletes, which one is the most compelling reason? And so spend just a few seconds talking about that, and then uh, I'll bring us back together with some practicals on how to leverage our platform. I think those are great questions to keep contemplating, keep talking uh, to each other about. Um, but some practicals I want us to go through here, and hopefully these will be um, some things that you guys can take with you even into this next spring as you're looking to leverage your platform as an athlete at your college campus, the first one is this, leverage where God has you, be with the team. Leverage where God has you, be with the team. You've got so many unique opportunities being a part of a team. The community, the diversity, the humor. I remember I walked into uh, my, my locker room at Washburn and we had this guy, his name was Cheese. He was just a big, big old lineman. He was the funniest guy on the team and he was from Alabama. I'm like, your culture, my culture, we are so different, but what an awesome opportunity to connect with this guy. What an awesome opportunity to develop a friendship with him. And I think something to keep in mind here is not just the, the people on your team who, you know, maybe have a strong faith. Maybe think about the opportunity to leverage your platform for those who don't know who Christ is. This could be a cool opportunity uh, to be able to hang out with them, develop friendships, and then use that platform um, to do exactly what Jesus did in Luke 19.10. He said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to find and to save what was lost. And then John 20, 21, it says again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. God's given you an, an awesome opportunity where he sent you to on your football team with the people that are around you. Um, I think you have practice, you've got weights, you've got games, you've got film, you've got trips, but also there are a lot of in-between times, aren't there? Living with each other, the social scene, having dinner with each other. One person who does this actually really well is Jalen Hurts. And so Jalen, before the season, I don't know if you guys knew this, but Jalen was actually on the hot seat. Had one of the greatest seasons, but he was on the hot seat. Uh, get a lot of criticism from some of the press, some of uh, even the fans. 
And what's interesting, there's an article that came out uh, that said his teammates and the coaches actually came to his aid. So if a, a tweet got sent out, there'd be another teammate that would send another a tweet out that would contradict it, or it would be a defense for him. And they said this, Jalen cared about the team. He'd take them out for dinners. He would take them on trips. He would get to know them. He knew almost every one of them by name. Um, one, of the, uh, one of his best friends on the team uh, made a joke that uh, Jalen couldn't name somebody on the team that he hasn't taken out to eat yet. I'm like, that's a great way to leverage his platform. I, I think when you do that, it shows that you just you care about more than the sport and about this person being just your teammate that can help you succeed, but it shows that you actually care about them as well. The second one is this, compete by the rules. Live a holy and consistent life. First Corinthians 9, going back to it, you see here at the end of it, Paul says, therefore I, do not run, or, uh, yeah, therefore I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I'll beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. He's not saying legitimately beat your body. He's saying, hey, I want to stay within the parameters of what God has asked of me. So that at the end of this, when I do give my life to this, I myself would not be disqualified for the prize. And you guys probably know that reference and understand this more than anybody else does. It's like if somebody was, you know, playing basketball with a football, you would look at that and you're like, that's not basketball. That's not basketball. And I think in the same way, Paul's saying the exact same thing. God calls us to a standard of holiness and of character. And it's actually a really, really cool thing that he does that. It's a grace of his that we actually get to become more and more like him. But in the same way, just like uh, the, the basketball illustration there with football, it's like we want, God wants us to be able to look more and more like him. That way when other people look at our lives, they have an accurate representation of what it means to play the game. And so compete by the rules and live a holy and consistent life. The third one is this, share the gospel boldly but with respect. Share the gospel boldly, but with respect. First Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Do it with gentleness and respect. I think about a guy who shared with me when I was a, a football player at Washburn University. I went there for my sport. I really was there. I was there for the social scene, for, for athletics, and I had no idea God. I was about to encounter the God of the universe. And I remember John taking me out to eat. Have any of you guys known? Who's been to Topeka, Kansas before? I know I've taken a couple of you guys. Have any of you guys been to Cook's American Grill? Yeah, I took, I took some of you guys there. Cook's American Grill is this random hole-in-the-wall restaurant where John Vogel gently and respectfully shared with me that he saw that I was culturally favorable towards Jesus. But he kindly, out of love, said, Jordan, I do not think you're fully all in with your faith. And he challenged me in that way, but because he did that boldly and out of love, and because he developed that friendship before that, my life was forever changed. That could be you guys. God could use you to do that in another person's life. I don't know if there's a more significant thing that, that we could be a part of. And I'm so glad that he did that in my life. And my, my hope of prayer is that every single one of you would be able to have a John to Jordan moment. 
with somebody else. I think it's a great way to leverage your platform. I don't know if there's a better way to leverage your platform than to share the gospel boldly, but with respect. Fourth one is this. Do whatever it takes to get training. Do whatever it takes to get training. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, Just as you have started pursuing God, continue in Him. Develop and deepen your roots. Get those things deep. Anchor them in. Train your mind with scripture memory. Train your heart to respond like Jesus would. Wouldn't that be awesome if my knee-jerk reaction wasn't a complaint, but my knee-jerk reaction was more like what Jesus would react like? I think learn to pray like you mean business. Get trained in that area. Chad was talking about that earlier. Learn to be a spiritual leader. And what do I mean by that? I mentioned that earlier. I think this is the one of the greatest ways to leverage your platform is learn to be a spiritual leader on your team. Maybe you're a captain. Maybe you've gotten the honor of that opportunity. Or maybe you're just a vocal leader on your team. Whatever you are, and what a great way to leverage that platform. Even if you don't have the title of spiritual leader, or a title of captain, I mean, this is a great way to be a leader on your team, to point others to Jesus, to help them grow, and to teach them to do the same for someone else. And so I think do whatever it takes to get training. Um, the last one is this, be great as an athlete, but keep God as your number one priority. And we've kind of already been talking about that, but do great in your sport. That is great. Go for it. Set records. Train. Get those numbers up. But make sure as you're doing that, because it's going to be gone one day. There's a thing called atrophy. There's a thing called age. And I'm already getting there. I was playing uh, some basketball today, and it was about 10 minutes in. I'm like, man, I just did not. I do not have what I, ha I used to have. It will fade, but the things that are committed to God will not fade. And so here's a, a couple more uh, questions I want you to talk about just for a minute or two, and then I'll wrap this up with the final thought here. So what could it look like for you to learn, lean into where God has you and live for his purposes? What is something you want to do this next semester to leverage your life and platform for impact that outlives your athletic careers? Spend a, a minute or two talking about that, and I'll bring us back together. You know, I, I like this idea of learning about how, how do we lean into this? And we were talking about this at the very beginning, but but there are just so many cool opportunities being an athlete and it goes even further than than your careers it really does like i said i was a backup quarterback and i was at washburn university and it's funny people like ask about my background i was like yeah i played football and they're like oh my gosh you played football and then it's like yeah but i was at, and then they just keep going it's like well, what position did you play and i've already got their ear just because i was an, an athlete and you know we could use that that platform to like build ourselves up or we could use that as a great way to enter into some of the most crucial life-changing conversations in the entire world and uh, and i think when you do that what happens is you do exactly what we've been talking about you live for something greater that will last uh, i did some research have you guys ever looked into some of the olympic um, cities that they've hosted the olympics in in the past and what some of these facilities look like now. Have you guys seen those? It's kind of interesting. This is like the pinnacle of athleticism, right? It's the top of the top. They spend millions, billions, even sometimes probably over-exaggerating that, but they spend a lot of money on this. And a lot of the towns actually, or cities actually end up suffering a lot of um, uh, financial deficit 
post it, and then a lot of the facilities don't actually end up getting used. Here are some of the, the different facilities over the years. This one's in, uh, I think this one's in Greece, the original one, that's Germany. And you can just see, I mean, that's a total demol uh, demolition of an entire complex that's going on. Some of these are just vacant, not being used. Here's one where champions formerly stood and it's gaining dust and it's gaining some, um, pretty much that's it, nothing, right? And I think about that for us and for you guys in this room is that's eventually what the sport's gonna do, right? That's eventually what it's gonna give back to you. It's gonna fade, it's gonna be demolished. But you guys have an awesome opportunity to keep pressing into your sports, leverage it for something that's going to last forever. My encouragement to you is to do that. And I'm hopeful for you. If you do that, God can send ripple effects, not just through your team, not just through your campus, but through the world. And I really do believe that. And so uh, hopefully you got some practicals walking away from this. Keep talking about it with your team or with the players or the people that you came with. All right. And uh, I'm going to pray for us and then I'm going to send you all off to dinner. And I think after that, the next thing we have is our main session. So, God, thank you for this room. Thank you for these individuals, God, who I know are disciplined and who are given all that they have, even a 1 Corinthians 1031 type of way, that whatever we do, whatever we put our hands to, God, that if we do it with all our might, we do it for your glory, God, it is going to be rewarded, God. And it will not be in vain, like 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, God, if we stand firm, if we put our faith first, God, I pray that every single one of these individuals would leverage their platform, Lord. That they would remember that the top 1% of the 1% theory, God, if that was in one ear, out the other, God. Man, I pray that they would just at least see that the ripples of their lives can be huge, God. That, that their sport, that our sports, that anything that we put in place of you guys is a terrible, terrible God. But you want to be in that place for us because you deserve it. But God, you also want to give us good things. And God, I, I know that our lives will move on from these sports. I pray that when that does happen for everyone in this room, God, that they can look back and say, hey, I leveraged everything I had while I was there. I gave it all I had. And then I put it in the right priority. God, I pray that that would be true of everybody in this room. We, we pray this and ask this in your great name, God, because you're going to do something amazing with it, Lord. So let us leave here changed and even just hopeful and expectant of what you're going to do in the future. So we pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, thank you guys. Go enjoy dinner. And then I think the main station is starting 7.15. 7.15.